I'm shook. Welcome to the Holly Shook Podcast. I'm Armin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the best co-host in the world. I'm contractually obligated to say that. Ryan Alkire. How are you, Rye? I'm doing amazing. Army, how are you? I'm great, Rye. This is an intense week in celebrity scandal. So much went down. Too much, you could say. We had to edit a lot to get to a decently sized podcast. Otherwise, we'd be here for four hours. But I'm really excited to delve into everything. You know it's bad when there's too much going on. <laughs> so, Rai, do you want to start us off today? I'll get us started. Um, the first one was one that I heard a lot about for a couple days. It kind of, it was one of those like, it never ended type scandals I felt. Like, I think it's over now, but like for a few days it was like someone responding and then someone responding to that and someone responding to that. And it's kind of creepy. So... Moby versus Natalie Portman. <laughs> so first off, I don't really know what Moby does, like why he's famous. He's a musician. He was like a DJ, techno, back oh, really? in the 90s, early 2000s. He hasn't really been big for a while. Well, like I knew who he was because I used to watch all of those like VH1, like I love the 90s, like shows and stuff. And he was always like featured, but I like forgot why he was featured. Did you watch Best Week Ever, too? Duh. Loved Best Week Ever. Loved I Love the 90s, I Love the 70s, 80s, all those shows. I grew up on VH1 and MTV. No, same. I would watch, like, all of those. I loved, 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 loved. And this is actually, maybe this could have been how my love for scandals was created. I used to watch the, like, top 50, like biggest like celebrity scandals like they used to do that yeah like they always just had like countdowns and like i'm a sucker for a countdown i love a countdown <laughs> countdowns were the lists before lists yes countdowns counts countdowns were lists before lists count <laughs> i love the 90s was buzzfeed before buzzfeed <laughs> exactly and i loved all the people who did commentary on those shows all those oh comedians michael ian black yes michael ian black <laughs> Yeah, there was a good group there, and they've actually gone on to some pretty big success, like Doug Benson. Yeah, Doug Benson was on there. Yeah. They always had, like, really random people. Anyway, so that's how I know Moby. So Moby, for some reason, felt the need to release a book, um, and he wrote a book. It's called Then, then It Fell Apart. It's like a tell-all, I guess, like, autobiography like memoir type thing he wrote in it that at one point when he was 33 that him and natalie portman dated and so he basically is like she like would flirt with me and like want to like hang out and stuff like that and i guess he was like she wanted or like i wanted to be her boyfriend but she like didn't want me to but we like were hanging out and dating like casually for a few weeks. For a few weeks. Like, a very short-lived, like, dating. Um, so, first and foremost, the biggest thing with this was that people... He said that, like... I think he said that it was in 1999 when they were, like, hanging out. And so, if you do the math, she was only 18 then. So, first off, his, like, information's already incorrect. Yeah, he claimed she was 20 at the time. Right. Which, like, literally... 
where was the editor, you know, <laughs> like it's just simple math. Um, so she was like a child and he was 33. So this comes out in the book and then Natalie Portman in an interview was like, no, 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 no. He like was creepy and I had just graduated high school and he was like trying to like flirt with me. And she was an actor already at this point, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just casual actor going to high school and then like he's creepy. And so she goes, I was surprised to hear that he characterized the very short time that I knew him as dating because my recollection is a much older man being creepy with me when I had just graduated high school. So. You know what I think happened, Rye? Huh? Over the course of like three weeks, they were in the same room together like five different times and Moby thinks of this as dating. Right, but like they took pictures. (laughs) We have a picture together. Oh, okay. They were exclusive, right? I dated every single person in high school because we all have pictures together. Um, we have pictures together. Does that mean we dated? We're dating. We're dating. We have pictures together. I'm only 18. Wait, but Moby was shirtless in the picture. Yeah, which is like really creepy because she's like fully clothed. So I'm like, what? Like, what event were they at where like he wasn't wearing a shirt? Yeah, because it was clearly, like, a normal event. It wasn't in a bedroom. It wasn't a salacious moment. They were lying in bed. They're standing up in a normal room or whatever. Yeah. And he's just shirtless. the daytime. (laughs) I guess he's confident. That's good. So he posts... So she does this, and he's like, no, 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 no. Actually, we did date, and I won't prove it. And so then the picture we were just talking about where he's casually shirtless, like, and they're posing, he puts that on Instagram or something, probably. I think he put it on Instagram. And, like, as if that was proof that they were dating. And everyone Um, believed him. Oh, wait, no, that's actually not how the story goes. And so it was put to rest. (laughs) Um, So, no. So he's, like, weird. And then he finally is like, okay, cool. I'm going to apologize. And he wrote, for some reason, our notes say that his Instagram post was titled from Moby an Apology. <laughs> I'm titling all my Instagram posts from now on. <laughs> uh, so he basically was like, I should have, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's fucking long. But he essentially was like, I should have talked to her before I published it and let her know that she was going to be in it. Like I should have gotten like her side of things. Um, And then I also, like, should have respected her reaction rather than fight against her. If, like, she... If she was telling her side of the story, I should have, like, respected her side of the story. Blah, blah, blah. But it's also a... It's also very much a half-pology because he doesn't give a full retraction. He's just like, I should have consulted her beforehand, not, you know what, I was wrong. Right. Well, he did say, um, like, everything that's happened... All of this has happened. It's been my own fault. This is all my fault. Nobody else, like, is in the wrong. Um, But, yeah, he never, like, says, like, I'm sorry or, like, I made it up or, like, whatever. Um, But that was also after he received more backlash to his apology and he had to cancel his book tour, which is kind of hilarious that I think they realized that they weren't actually going to get people at his book tour or if he did, they were going to be, like, Natalie Portman stands deriding him. People would be angry. 
arriving angry at his book tour. Um, so he cancels his book tour. I'm like, I don't know. So like we've talked about it before that like no publicity is bad publicity. But I'm like, I feel like this was bad publicity. (laughs) This was pretty bad publicity. I was actually thinking about it while I was researching this story. And wondering if this may have driven up book sales. What do you think? Well, that's what I was one like, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, did more people buy it? Cause they wanted to like read this part or, or like maybe see if he put anything else in it. That's like weird. But the canceling of, of the book tour seems like pretty telling. True. Cause if books were flying off the shelf and they'd be like, Oh shit, we got to do the tour. But if they're not, then they're probably like, oh, well, then canceling. And it's like not that big of a deal. Also, who wants to read Moby's autobiography? I mean, nobody, like, once again, nobody asked for this. For some reason, he felt so inclined to write this book in the first place for some reason. Um, Do you remember Moby's feud with Eminem? I feel like that was on, like, the top 20 countdowns. Yes, for sure. See, that's how I know Moby. I don't think I've ever listened to a Moby song. No offense to our listeners if you love Moby. I just haven't, or I don't know that I have. You know how like sometimes you hear music, but you don't know the artist? Yeah. So maybe I've heard a Moby song. I don't know. He's very like Sinead O'Connor to me, where I'm just like, I don't know like what you do, but I like know who you are. <laughs> right. You uh, know why you're making that comparison? They're both bald. Because they're both bald, yes. Yeah. That's exactly why you're doing that. I thought they were the same person until today. (laughs) But actually, Moby's feud with Eminem could be a Holly Shook one day. If we're sure could. Yeah. Eminem himself could have a whole freaking like sub-series of Holly Shook. Very true. Very true. I always wonder how to tackle that with celebrities who have insane life stories do we do just like a specific moment do we go into their whole lives like sometimes i feel like their life is just too jam-packed with stories that we can't do like one like one hour episode on it we'd have to do like a four hour episode yeah i feel like we could break into like series as yes part one of the m&m series and then we just like release it like maybe like once a month we do a new series Ooh, write that down million dollar idea maybe we have to like collaborate on those so instead of the whole yeah. like the blind version where you don't know what i'm doing i don't know what you're doing yeah we actually collaborate on those you're welcome listeners this was a sneak peek into a real life podcast producing meeting this is how the great ideas are formed that's literally it we just like stumble into them <laughs> you're welcome right can i uh, ask you one more quick question on this yeah I think it's safe to say this was a mainstream scandal, right? Yeah. Where do you think it ranks amongst the mainstream scandals of the year? I think we could include uh, Jesse Smollett on that list. We could include the uh, college admissions scandal, right? The Fofty Scent versus Randall Emmett scandal, which you said was one of your favorites. Love Fofty Scent. Um, I don't know. I feel like because... It got, um, got like ended. It got ended. It got ended. Because it ended like pretty quickly. Um, I feel like it, it's not like going to, it's not a long lasting, like people aren't really going to talk about it after the next week or so I feel. But in terms of like juiciness and like kind of like cringeworthy, like scandal, it's up there cause it's very cringy. 
And like, I love Natalie Portman. She's iconic queen. So I love that she was like, no. And like commented on it. Cause she could have just not said anything, you know, who's Moby. Like nobody really cares. Um, I'm glad she set the record straight. Yeah. She needed to. So she's actually what made it a scandal. It wouldn't have been really a scandal if she hadn't like said something. I mean, nobody would have known that Moby wrote a book. Right. There's actually another scandal <laughs> um, coming from Moby's book, and it's this passage he has about Andre 3000. He writes about Andre 3000? He says that him and Andre like talked at some award ceremony, and Moby was like, I'd love to collaborate with you. And Andre said, I love you, and I love your stuff, I love your music, but everyone hates you right now, so I just can't. Oh my god, like rec- like this happened recently? No. Well, it goes to show that Moby was pretty much always hated, but this was back in 2002. LOL. <laughs> That's so random. It was like, actually one year after the M&M feud, so people are assuming... Moby doesn't clarify, but people are assuming that Andre 3000 was saying that in reference to the feud with Eminem. I mean, checks out, checks out, checks out. Yeah. But enough of Moby... I love Moby now. I want to read the book. (laughs) So it's working. It's actually driving up sales. I didn't know there was multiple scandals involved. Are you actually going to read his book? No. (laughs) I was hoping that wasn't a bit. No, it's, I'm not going to, no. Can you, can you do it please? (laughs) If you buy it for me, I'm not going to freaking pay money on it. (laughs) All right. Give it a few months when it goes on sale and it's like a dollar on Amazon. I'll buy it for you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I have to read Stassi's book first. Have you have you uh, bought it yet? Dallas read it, yeah, last nice. week. Nice. He's like, it's so dumb, but like, yeah, it's Stassi. I'm sure it's better than Moby's book. Probably, it's a New York Times bestseller. And she actually had a book tour. I know, and it was successful. Except she, when she came to Chicago, she went to the suburbs, and I was like, girl, what? Oh, that's annoying. Would you have I gone? Was, I wanted to go, but it was in freaking Naperville. It's like an hour away. Oh. Like Naperville, what the heck? She should have gone to the heart of Chicago. She should have gone. There's like one Barnes and Noble downtown. Like, do it there. Perfect. Um. So speaking of like people from the past, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand that segue, but I'll roll with it. So this is a very quirky moment in celebrity scandal, if you can call it that. Um. I guess it's just like celebrity happenings. Ashton Kutcher was testifying at a murder trial. I love it. You actually love murder stories, murder mysteries. You're like very much a true crime fan, right? I love murder, yeah. You just love murder. You love the idea of it. I love like murder and like freak accidents. Oh, freak accidents. I am obsessed with freak accidents. Like literally. Huh. We, I want. Can we do a freak, a freak accident podcast? Okay, we're going to have another planning session. <laughs> I feel like you've already done one. What? Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. That was freak accident. That's like more murder than freak accident. I'm talking like this guy in Colorado fell down a trash compactor at a Halloween party last October and literally had his body trash compacted. Oh. But he survived. He survived. What? Yeah. Like shit like that. Is like, he okay? I, I mean, he's not okay, but he's like fine. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm hoping he's okay. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah. He survived and he's like going to have a rec- full recovery. But like, Jesus Christ. Wow. That's- imagine? That's huge news. That's great. Yeah. So I mean, like, terrible experience, but I'm glad he's okay. It's good for me. I got a good story out of it. I hope his family isn't listening. I know. Seriously, if you are 
a part of the family, we are deeply apologetic. <laughs> I um, would love. Okay, but seriously, we'll get into the freak action and podcasts later, but just like keep it in the back of your mind. But I feel like Natalie Wood was kind of like that because she goes into the dinghy and then. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, she's freak accident murder. Right. So back to this murder. <laughs> this murder took place in 2001. And it was Ashton Kutcher's acquaintance at the time. Her name uh, was Ashley Ellerin. And Ashton Kutcher was actually pursuing her and invited her to be his date to a Grammy's after party um, back in February of 2001. And she never showed up. It turned out that she was actually gruesomely murdered. She was stabbed 47 times. And they finally caught this guy, the guy who murdered her, um, allegedly. He's still, of course, under trial. His name is Michael Gargiolo, and they call him the Hollywood R- Ripper because prosecutors are saying that he is a serial sexual thrill killer. He has uh, murdered three women over the course of 15 years and attacked four. Gross. The story of actually Ashton Kutcher and Ashley's relationship... I'm getting confused, by the way, in my head because Ashton and Ashley... Yeah. Can we call him Ash and Ash? No. <laughs> Can we just do Ash and Ash? I think that would clear things up. <laughs> I'll say Kutcher and Ashley. Okay, Kutcher and Ashley. Here, Ashley Kutcher. <laughs> here is what's like disturbing and kind of like really wild. They were supposed to go out the very night that she was murdered, and Kutcher actually went on went to her house to check on her, but she didn't answer, so he left. And he, t- he testified that um, he called her that night at 7.30 and she did pick up. And um, she said that she had just gone out of the shower and she was, you know, going to get ready. And then he called her again at 10 p.m. Um, saying that they weren't going to be able to have dinner, but he would pick her up later for drinks. He ultimately goes to her house because she didn't pick up and he had to leave a message. No one answers. He actually says that he looked through a side window at her house and saw what he believed at the time to be red wine spilled on the floor. So weird. It probably was not. I'm assuming it was blood because she was murdered. How strange is that? Anyway, the next morning, Ashley was found dead, like I said, of 47 stab wounds, which is just horrifying. And actually, that day, the very next day, Kutcher uh, found out that she had been murdered and he actually went to detectives and he told them um, that his fingerprints were going to be on the door because he was totally freaking out. Yeah. He was like, am I going to be accused of murder here? I called her multiple times that very same night. I went to her house at the time of the murder, essentially, and my fingerprints are going to be on this house. Side window, door, etc. And also, like, I don't know what time she got stabbed, but, like, what if he had come over earlier? And then, like, he was in the house when the stabber was there. The stabber. The murderer. Like, what if he was murdered, you know? Right. I didn't even actually think about that, but he really lucked out, in a sense, by a matter of maybe minutes? Yeah. He talked to her at 8.30. He goes to her house around 10. So yeah. the window of time for this guy to enter her house and stab her 47 times, gruesomely killing, gruesomely killing her, 
um, is about 90 minutes. That's that's the yep. thing, though. And what if he, like, was trying to be romantic and just, like, showed up on a whim instead or whatever? Instead of calling, then he would have been murdered. Oh, I just, like, am so... There's so many what ifs. I mean, it's sort of, it's frightening. It's really scary. And just like, why did the murderer choose her? Why did they just happen to be going on a date that night for the first time? Like, there's so many weird circumstances. He's facing murder charges in both California and Illinois. Um, He's accused of killing his 18-year-old neighbor, Trisha Picaccio. Um, back in 1993 when he lived in Illinois um, and he continued to kill people when he moved to Los Angeles in 1998. It it appears that he attacks his neighbors because Michelle Mm. Murphy, another person he attacked was also his neighbor. Mm. I didn't find the, I didn't find this detail, but I'm assuming that he lived close to Ashley and he must've been stalking her or something. Well, yeah, because if he's a sexual thrill killer then too, then he has to like, he probably already knows the women in some regard yeah, um, and like fantasizes about them. Ew, ew. It's just bizarre that this yeah. story intersects with celebrity. Yeah. These stories are not super common, but more common than you think. And then you somehow add Ashton Kutcher into the mix and he is testifying. And by the way, look up the pictures of Ashton Kutcher testifying because he looks like he's dressed for a movie role. In fact, he looks like he's dressed for a movie role as a serial killer. Yeah, he looks like he is straight out of American Crime Story. Like, I think he kind of is trying to look Ted Bundy-esque, which is weird. Very Ted Bundy. I was, like, weirdly attracted to him in this picture. I mean, I'm always weirdly attracted to Ashton Kutcher, but, like, I didn't know his creepy serial killer vibe would get me. I have issues. Okay. Um, and that suit is nice. It is really nice. No, he's looking really handsome. I'm not going to lie. Okay, thank you. You let me like you let me wallow in that weirdness for a second. No, as I it, agree. He looks very handsome. As I pull the picture back up, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Maybe he did murder her. <laughs> that like That's just creeping in the back of my mind, right? I don't know. It could be. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. He's, like, trying to kill her. He's like, you just got punked, bitch. <laughs> the perfect crime. Go to the okay. detectives the next day. Hey, my fingerprints are all over the place, okay? Yeah. But don't worry, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> I was at a Grammy's after party. <laughs> but he, like, wasn't. Like, did I don't know. The whole thing's... It's a little shady. They were supposed to go to a Grammy's after party, but then they were going to dinner and drinks. I don't get Doesn't it, right? Check. Doesn't check don't. out to me. I should be on this case. <laughs> Too many plot holes. <laughs> okay, so good job, Ashton. Um, really proud of you. Okay, so we haven't done this in a while. I feel have we? No, it's been a while. It's been a while, and by popular demand, everyone's been asking about it. Everyone's been wanting it back. All of our fans. Um, we're gonna do scandal scale. Scandal scale. Scandal scale. Um, so for those of you who don't know what our scandal scale is, because it's been a little a little bit, um, we are going to rate... Th- are we rating three different scandals? We're going to rate three different scandals, or talk about three different scandals, and then they're g- we're going to rate them based on how shook we are. So the lowest amount of shooketh, shookiness is shaken, where you're just like, 
Hmm. A little shaken. Like, I'm just like, eh. And then there's Shook, which you're like, okay, like that was pretty cool. You got me. You got me. And then there's Shooketh, which is like, holy shit. Shitting my pants. Like, a, a Shooketh moment is like everything involving the college scandal. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. That's like Shooketh. Um, so, yeah, we'll just talk about him and then we'll just rate him. We usually like have a, like differing opinions, too. Yes, that's true. You're a little bit more sensitive than I am. <laughs> You'll go shaking and I'll go shooketh. Yeah, you get shooketh like way more. Okay. <laughs> so this one's um, kind of weird and like kind of uncomfortable for everyone involved. Also so, like too many new autobiographies, but you'll get into it. Um. <laughs> yeah, like first off. Who gave straight white men permission to write a fucking book about their lives like anybody fucking asked? Nobody cares. Just stop. Just stop. And leave like, it to Stasi. Keep it leave it to straight white females, okay? <laughs> and um also like what is with everyone like exposing weird sexual moments in it too? Like it's bizarre. Like, have you never spoken about this? But you're like, I'm going to just keep this a secret until I'm 65 years old and can write a book about my life. That's when I'm going to tell people. Like, 40 years down the line, that's when someone needs to know about this. It's like in the air or something. Or have you heard of dueling content? No. Like, one studio will have a certain kind of movie coming out, and then another studio at the basically the very same time is producing a very similar movie. Yeah. I feel like this is what this is. You have Moby and Chris Kattan dueling autobiographies. And the end result is still nobody gives a shit. Okay. <laughs> so Chris Kattan, famously from SNL. Um, oh, God. He named his fucking memoir, Baby Don't Hurt Me. It's like, let it go. Like, we get it. You were in the SNL skit. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that, that's his claim to fame. Yeah, I guess. What was uh, Moby's book title? And then it fell apart. Then it fell apart. I mean... Moby's is very fitting because it did fucking fall apart very quickly after that book came out. Okay. So in 1990s... <laughs> in the 1990s, there's this freaking movie called Night at the Roxbury. It was based on like that sketch from SNL where they're like shaking their heads and stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and they're like two womanizers. Who are morons. They're like womanizers and they like shake their heads weird at them and like try to like have sex. It's very like rape culture. I'm over it. Um, so it was like acceptable back then. So in 1998, there's a movie about it. And so in his freaking book, he claims that when he was being like talked to do the movie, he was 27. And that Amy Heckerling who also directed Clueless, Iconic Queen, um, like, basically was like, let's have sex, and then I'll direct the movie. And he was like, "Mm, no, you're old, and I'm young. And so he was like... Exact words. (laughs) Exact words he wrote in the book. Um, She was 43 at the time. She's 43, he's 27. He's like, you know what, Uh uh-uh. And then um, he gets a call from Lauren Michaels, who's furious. Lauren Michaels, obviously SNL producer. 
And he was like, you have got to be joking me. If like, if she doesn't sign on as director, then Paramount's not going to make the movie. Like she was already a producer, but she has to direct it. Otherwise Paramount is not going to make this movie. And if we're going to have this movie happen, you have to keep Amy happy. And then Lauren Michaels allegedly said, Chris, I'm not saying you have to fuck her, but it wouldn't hurt. Which basically means you have to fuck her. Which basically means pull your fucking pants down and get it going, honey, (laughs) if you want to be a star. (laughs) That's showbiz, baby. Showbiz. So they, of course, SNL producers or spokesperson says this is totally false. Um, I'm erring on the side of probably not false. Probably this happened. And so then apparently Chris Kattan and Amy Heckerling had sex on a casting couch. Although he, like, he clarifies, he says that that encounter was consensual. Yes, he did say that he wanted to have sex with her eventually. Weird. Weird shift in, shift in ideals. Um, apparently she suggested that they have sex on Lauren Michaels' desk. Which, like, I get... But like, would you want to have sex on Lauren Michaels' desk? I don't want the word Lauren Michaels and sex ever used in the same sentence. Um, first off, but secondly, yes, I would definitely do it on his desk. <laughs> um, How many people do you think have had sex on Lauren Michaels' desk? Ew, uh, probably a lot. Probably a lot. Um, I mean, if Amy Heckerling was making a play to do it, then I'm imagining Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande definitely have had sex on Lauren Michaels' desk. I mean, go on uh, down the line. Yeah, no, they've definitely fucked on the desk. Also, like, how big is his desk? Anyway, so... Also, like, why does everyone have access to Lauren Michaels' office? Yeah, which she's just like, if I could choose one place, it'd be his office. And they're like, how are you going to get in? And, like, what if he comes? Like into his office while we're there (laughs) she didn't think out the logistics obviously but anyway so chris Catan was like um no and then they went to her office and had sex on a casting couch lol old hollywood tropes so hilarious um so chris chris Catan said that he was attracted to amy but at the same time was very afraid of the power she and lauren wielded over my career so that's weird. But um, she didn't even end up directing it, which I'm like, what the heck? Right. What the heckerling? That's why. What the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I Thank I you had, for that, Ryan. I had to do it. Too. Was that your first dad joke? It was. And it was a dang good one. It's a good look on you. It's Thank a fucking you. great look on you. I feel like I would be really good at, as a dad joke guy. <laughs> Can you just lean into it? Just like be the dad joke guy? Yeah, but it has to come naturally. Like, that was really natural, so I just have to like kind of like keep going. Keep going. And just just like, Don't suppress it, is what I'm saying. Just see what happens. See what happens. Um, knowing what we know about Hollywood and all the stories that have come out in the Me Too era, it's hard not to believe this. Yeah. I feel like no. maybe some details could be off. But at the same time, like just this concept checks out in Hollywood. I mean, we we were just talking about it in reference to La La and Randall Emmett. Yeah. Where he was like, want to be in a movie? Cool. But like, we have to have sex first. And she's like, okay. And here's a Range Rover. And here's a Range Rover. Um, No, yeah. I mean, I believe this 100%. Um, 
it's just a little creepy. It's just like a little bit, I don't know. I like mentioned it earlier. Like why, like why do we have to like, I don't know. Cause when I Googled it, then it's like, is Amy Heckerling a lifestyle? Do we know? Yes. They actually um, requested comment from Amy Heckerling, but she couldn't be reached. Could not be reached. Convenient, convenient. Um, well, apparently <laughs> her daughter spoke out about it and was like, this is false. So it's just kind of like dragging people through the mud for no reason. Um, but hey, if it sells books, good for him. I feel like the line that we can point to that rings very true is when Catan wrote that he was very afraid of the power that Heckerling and Lauren wielded over his career. Yeah. And that's the issue with like workplace power imbalance. I mean, it usually exists unless you work in a co-op, right? Yeah. But that's why if you are a boss, you shouldn't get in a relationship with an employee because there is that power imbalance and you can never be sure that the employee doesn't feel pressured to do something that they don't want to do and feel like their livelihood is on the line. And when he writes something like that, it just rings very true to me because I can see him feeling like he had to do whatever he had to do to keep his career going and to keep getting these roles and to stay on SNL. He continued on SNL after that. Um, he talked about how his relationship with Will Ferrell changed after that because Will knew about the sexual encounter with Amy and it got weird during season 23. So I feel like certain elements of this story and the way he portrays it gives legitimacy to it and credibility. Yeah. I mean, I if I was in this position, I'd probably do the same because you don't want to fuck up your chance at stardom. And that's why they right? got to change this system, man. Yeah, it's really bad, but like, whatever. <laughs> so are you shaking, sugar, sugar? I kind of can tell where you're going with this. Um, I'm like shook, I guess. Yeah. I'm it's shooketh. Like, of course you are. Sensitive Armin. <laughs> Sensitive Armin strikes again. I just um, can't believe Lauren Michaels is this guy. Yeah. Okay, so I guess like in specific in specificities, um, I wouldn't expect it from Lorne Michaels because he has like a pretty squeaky clean reputation from what I've heard um, through all my ins at SNL. <laughs> um, you and Pete text on the reg. We were texting about it. And, but like, I'm just like not struck because I'm like, yeah, this shit happens all the fucking time in Hollywood. Right. In showbiz, baby. Let's but, move on yeah. to our next story. Yeah, this one's gross as hell. Could we choose, like, could we have chosen grosser stories this week? Jesus Christ. They're all, like, about, like, weird sex things. You're right. This has a very sex-centric uh, theme. Very weird. What's wrong with us? Again, it's in the air. It's just in the air. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. Seriously. So, and also, it's, like, very much a week of, like, people coming out with, like, tell-all books, tell-all documentaries. Right, like why? I, I haven't even... Are, are haven't, sales up in the summer generally? I feel like people read in the summer because they go on vacation. That must be it. Like I read like freaking half a book on my flight to LA last week. I think that's why like everyone is in a rush to just like release these tell-alls. Right. Like I'm going on vacation again in a week and I'm like, which book I'm going to bring? Because I'm just going to be reading a book. Yeah. The whole time. 
you can read Moby's and Chris Kattan's. Oh my god, that's what I'm bringing for sure. <laughs> no, I'm going to bring Moby's book for real, though. Oh, you should, definitely. Yeah. So uh, this next story um, isn't derived from a book, but rather a upcoming documentary. So according to O.J. Simpson, you know when O.J. Simpson is in the news, it's nothing good. Not good. According to O.J. Simpson's former manager, Norman Pardo, O.J. bragged to him that he had sex with Chris Kardashian at the time. Oh, well. Who was his best friend's wife, his best friend being Robert Kardashian, who infamously defended him, was a part of the dream team defense uh, during his uh, murder trial in 1994. David Schwimmer. Yeah, David Schwimmer portrayed him in American Crime Story. Yeah. So OJ bragged to Norman uh, that he had sex with Chris during a quote unquote 1990s hot tub tryst. And this was while Chris was still married to Robert Kardashian. So here are the details of the story. OJ, his, his wife at the time, Nicole, Nicole Brown Simpson, who he was later accused of murdering. He did it. He did it. Um, he was acquitted, but he did it. Um, OJ, Nicole, Robert, and Chris were in a jacuzzi. They were vacationing, partying. And for whatever reason... Nicole and Robert went to bed, and OJ and Chris stayed in the hot tub together. Apparently, according to Pardo, quote, OJ said he stood up, pulled his shorts down, and I'll give you exactly what he said. Her eyes bugged out of her head, and I fucked that bee until I broke her. <laughs> God, that was those were the worst words that ever came out of my mouth, right? Yeah, watching you like and listening to you say that was really hard and rough. I didn't want to do it. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Pardo would go on to say, that was as messed up as you can possibly get. Um, yeah. Apparently, yeah. all of their friendships and marriages were great up until that point. But the fallout from that incident ruined everything. So I'm guessing based on that, that Robert and Nicole would find out. But Pardo yeah. doesn't go into great detail on that, at least... In all of this, maybe we have to watch the documentary. What we do know is that shortly after that vacation, the Kardashians divorced. This was in 1991. And the Simpsons divorced in early 1992. So both couples would end up divorcing within two years of that incident. That doesn't mean anything. It could be a coincidence. It probably means something. It probably does. Uh, OJ uh, would go on to tell Pardo that, quote, they had to take her to the hospital at 2 or 3 in the morning. Uh, she came to OJ's room and said, can you take me to the hospital? He said, no, have Rob do it. Um, this is because during their sexual encounter, apparently, it got a little rough. <laughs> Wait, so also O.J. Simpson's 71 years old now? Yeah. Damn. He's old. So, this is basically the story. There is another element of this. I don't know if you want me to read it. Which part? Well, Pardo goes on to describe... Oh, no, no, don't. No, no okay. It's just, it's basically just describing O.J. So we don't need to, like, we don't need to... Apparently, OJ was a bit of a womanizer, which we already knew. 
Yeah. And Pardo goes into greater detail on that. Uh, Chris oh. Jenner denies this rumor. Not in reference to this particular story, but this has been a rumor for a very long time. And back in 2003, she told In Touch magazine that this rumor is an absolute lie. She has never had an affair with OJ Simpson. Um, Rye, what do you think about all this? Gross, first off. And second off, I don't want to say that it's true, but like, I feel like it's true. Like, do you? I think it could be true, Rye. Yeah. I think it could be true. That crew, because Chris and Nicole were really good friends, along with Faye Resnick, and a bunch of other, like, Brentwood socialites, and they were well known to just, like, get around, basically. And no shame to them. Do your thing. But... Faye Resnick wrote a tell-all book herself in the wake of Nicole's death, actually, um, which a lot of people criticized her for because they felt that she was profiting off of her best friend's death. Right. And, but it's, a, it's quite a salacious book. It talks about the Brentwood hello, and that's why that got popularized. What's that? It's a blowjob. <laughs> a Brentwood hello. And apparently, like, Nicole would give a lot of other, like, Brentwood neighbors of Brentwood hello. I mean, she's just being a nice neighborhood lady. You would say hi to your neighbors too, you guys. <laughs> don't don't you uh you know give a neighborhood hello? Yeah, why is it just a freaking Brentwood one? That's how I say hello to everyone. <laughs> okay. Um so are you shaken, shook or shooketh? Um, I'm pretty I would say I'm shaken because I would be shook, but you know, anything that has to do with the Kardashians, I care don't care about. So then it went down to shaken. I'm shook. I would be shooketh if I hadn't already heard these rumors before. Mm. But this is the most detail we've ever received. Yeah. Yeah. There's some details. There's- That's pretty there are some details. Um, we don't. Have you heard the conspiracy that OJ is Chloe's dad? No, I haven't heard that. It, it's definitely not true, but it's, yeah, there's no way. It's a conspiracy. She looks like just like all, they all look the fucking same. It's a conspiracy. That's so random. I hate everyone. Okay, <laughs> um, so. I'm only going to allow us to do this um, next one if you promise me one thing. Yeah. Can I never hear the fucking words Game of Thrones again, please? Jesus Christ. It's over. Let it die, people. I didn't put this story out. And guess what? None of you liked the last season, so stop pretending. I didn't like it either. I know. That's what I'm saying. Okay, go. So this final story is actually... a disheartening one, in my opinion. Yeah, no, not to be rude, but I'm just over this show. <sighs> You're being so rude, Rai. <laughs> Kit Harrington, the star of Game of Thrones. I mean, there's many stars, but he played Jon Snow. He has checked into a luxury rehab center for stress and alcohol use. In fact, 
He reportedly checked in ahead of the Game of Thrones finale. He's staying at this retreat called, how do you pronounce this, Rye? Preve Swiss? Prive Swiss? Preve Swiss. Preve Swiss. Apparently, it costs $120,000 a month. Jesus. And they only accommodate three people at a time. What the frickin' heck? Now, that's luxury. That's luxury. I makes me want to go to rehab. <laughs> Do you have 120 G's to spend in a month? No, but I'm stressed. <laughs> so I should be able to go. I feel like if this place can't cure you, then nobody could cure you. Yeah, seriously. If I don't walk out of there like a fucking Buddha, then I would get want my money back. So everything is like one-on-one services, ultra luxurious. You have a private chef, you know, fitness centers. You get massages. Selena Gomez actually was at that center last year, and she completed a similar treatment um, to Kit Harrington's upcoming treatment. It's called DBT therapy. So a friend of Kit Harrington's told Page Six that the end of Game of Thrones really hit Kit Harrington hard. He realized this is it. This is the end. Uh, it was something they had all worked so hard on for so many years. He had a moment of, what's next? He's in the clinic predominantly for stress and exhaustion and also alcohol. I also read a separate Page Six article, Rye, that recounted all these events of public drunkenness by Kit. Apparently, he was just going around New York getting super belligerently blacked out like at different bars. Like one was called, I think, Barfly. Another was called Gramercy. And he was just getting super wasted, getting kicked out. Apparently, he like jumped on a pool table, begging to play pool. Everyone said he was super nice. He would come back the next day and like tip them 100%. Damn. On like big bills. Freaking rich. But clearly, he was reeling. And apparently, it has a lot to do with the ending of Game of Thrones. So, Rai, what, what are your thoughts? All right. First off, calm the hell down, dude. <laughs> like... Show's end. You don't see Maisie Williams and Sophie Turner freaking going to the bars and blacking out. Well, they probably are. Well, Sophie Turner is blacking out, but she's handling it gracefully on IG stories and at hockey games. She's a little classier. (laughs) Um, Yeah, lots of people's jobs ended. Yeah, a lot of people also lose their jobs every freaking day, and they aren't millionaires. So calm down. Do you have like, no sympathy for Kit, though, Rye? Look, a show's not going to go on forever. This isn't American Idol. <laughs> like, it has to end eventually. So, like, you should have started preparing for it sooner. But imagine, but, they've been filming since 2009, and he's John freaking Snow. Straight white men need to stop relying on other people for their own well-being and mental health, Okay. A lot of people deal with shit. Right. Have- Are you going to read Kit Harrington's tell-all book? It's coming out next year. Absolutely no, I'm not. Shaken, shook, or shooketh? Shaken. You don't care? He's an English... He's English. English people drink a lot. I mean, not to, like, downplay alcoholism. Okay, whatever. It's a bad disease. But, like, it's a little dramatic, Sir. There's probably someone else who needs to go to this fancy thing more than you. And they only allow three people in at a time. So you're actually taking 
it away from someone probably more deserving. Who do you think are the other two people there with him? At this point, probably fucking Moby and Amy Heckerling. <laughs> no, Moby and Chris Kattan. It's just the three straight white dudes. It's three straight white dudes who like don't know how to fucking take care of themselves. So they write books about it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm shook it. Shooketh? Yeah, I'm shooketh. I'll tell you why. Because that was my genuine reaction when I saw the story pop up. When I saw the page six tweet. That's how I first learned about it. I was like, what? Kits in rehab? Because there was no inkling of this. Yeah. I was shooketh. I'm not going to lie. Look, I wish the best for him, and I hope he like gets better or whatever. But it just seems like a little dramatic. I mean, Selena seems like she's doing well, so I think it worked. I think they're good. Is she? I haven't heard anything about her. Didn't she pop back up on Instagram this year after a huge hiatus? I don't follow her. I can't be bothered. But probably. No, I think she's good now. I mean, she got her kidney back or whatever. What? Didn't she? She had like a kidney transplant. Oh, I think I saw this story. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like huge. Her best friend gave her her kidney. Did you or see Abby, Abby Lee Miller? I mean, now we're done with the official Holly Shook podcast, but did you see that Abby Lee Miller um, is, was giving advice to Lori Laughlin on how to handle prison? Oh my God. Yes. Abby Lee Miller. I fucking love her. <laughs> Also, I love that the college admission scandal never ends. Like, every week, there's, like, a little something new. I can't wait for the trial. <laughs> I hope it's, like, OJ and they put it on TV. Oh, that'd be great. I'd be going on court TV every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, good times, good times. Well, I think we covered it all, Rye. I think that's it. It was a lot, but we got through it, and we had a great time doing it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you join us next week. Talk to you later. Bye.